Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Mark Groves podcast. Today I have author, teacher, Amazing human, Shannon Kaiser, discussing her new book, Return to You. And, you know, I love on her website when she talks about her books, it says, my books are love letters to the world and you. And I really love that, that way of expressing. You know, when I think about this journey of returning to oneself, you know, so often we use the language of giving birth to yourself. And I really think so much of it is about remembering who we are, that the the us, the you, the soul, the self already exists. It just happens to be buried below layers of conditioning and, you know, fear of not belonging and, and all the things and relationships to anything really offer this pathway to return to you. And so I'm really excited to share this conversation. Shannon is such an incredible teacher, an incredible human. Before we jump in, please, wherever you listen to this podcast, if you could give it a five-star review, a written review, that's super helpful in getting it to more people's ears. And if this episode really resonates with you, please share it and make sure you tag me on social. Much love. Well, 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 it is about damn time that you and I got to actually have a conversation, you know, beyond... DMs and likes and comments, you know? So welcome to the podcast, Shannon Kaiser. Thank you. I'm virtually hugging you right now. I feel the exact same way. We've been uh, Instagram friends for a while and in the same space. So it's great to be here with you. (laughs) Oh man, you know, to think like we haven't even graduated yet to cellular, like literal cellular hugs yet, but we're going to get there. That's (laughs) our next. We're on our way. We're like how people meet on Tinder and they go from like texting (laughs) to, you know, upgrading. So we're going to keep making it. Our next podcast will be in person. That's, uh, I'm there for it. Yep. Sweet. Well, you know, I've been following you for a long time and really have always enjoyed your work, your writing, and your invitation for us into a space of self-inquiry. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about, I saw that you have a new book coming out called Return to You. Yes. And that title in and of itself um, really reflects a premise that I love, which is not um, become who you are, not um, you know, create all this new stuff, but rather return and, and 
remember in some way, I guess. So I'm curious if you could just maybe walk me through why it's titled that and, and, and then we can just get into, to the jam, the juice. Yes. Well, I've been doing this work for over a decade and I remember we connected early on and and kind of saw the growth together. And it really is about love. It's about returning to what is true for us. And we live in a world that is always pulling our attention. It's like, look at me, come over here, believe this, don't do that. And it is, I, I hit my own point with it. I was like, I can't take this anymore. And I was actually on a journey myself. I, this is my fifth book out in the world. And I was traveling and on book tour for my last book called Joy Seeker. It's all about joy and how to live a happy life. But interesting enough, uh, on the book tour, I was having these panic attacks. I was coming home in the hotel and I would break out into these cold sweats and I would have hard time breathing. And it was this moment where I said, what is happening? You're teaching people how to have joy. And for me, it was a deeper moment of, as you say, self-inquiry, because what I asked is what's going on? Why anxiety? Why now? And it was my ego, 100%. And it was saying, who do you think you are to be in joy when the world is falling to pieces? Who do you mm. think you are to try to do this when these people are really suffering? And it was all ego. It's this is going to go away. This is all this that you've worked towards. So these were fears that were in me that had not been revealed yet or that I had pushed aside through the work or pushed aside in relationships. And I just worked you know, forward. It came up because it needed to be looked at. And so what return to you is, is it's about returning back to what is real for us uh, um, past the fear, because that was fear. That was an illusion. That was a manipulation of my own reality based on my head and fears from the past that no longer served. And so I went on this journey and took myself through a process of really discovering what inner peace is. And what that is, is, is all of us have the capacity to heal, to grow into more truth and awareness. And that starts with returning to you. So tell me a bit about that, like inner peace. I think when we think of inner peace, you know, I I won't project onto everyone, but I sort of see this um, monk on a mountain or Buddhist, you know, just chilling with, uh, you know, just finding, um, you know, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like fingers, thumbs, or what is it? Finger, middle finger. I can't remember, but either way, apparently I haven't found it because I, (laughs) but I'm curious when you talk about inner peace and taking it from maybe this abstract idea that feels like Buddhism or whatever it is, um, and not having a thought, not having anger, not having, what is it? What does it mean for you? So, and I think that's the confusing part. So often we go into a personal growth journey or spiritual awakening process, and we think we're trying to reach enlightenment, but really what we realize through the steps is that it's already available within us. So people ask me, what is peace? Peace is our truth. It is available to us already. Mm -hmm. It is about being present in the moment, free of fear. And when we just kind of tap into that a little bit deeper, free of fear is most of us are operating from a place of fear. We're making choices from a place of fear. We're looking ahead. What's going to happen? Or who am I going to become if I make this? And we live in a world where fear is just pumped out to us like 24 seven. And so to live in this world where fear is the main focus to disengage with that, what it really means is I'm going to, and this is how I healed my anxiety as well. And I wrote the book and started to go into a deeper process as I realized the world is going to keep doing the world. It's going to be the world worlding, if you will. We don't have any or much control over what happens out there, but we have a, a thousand percent over what happens within us. And so our inner world 
is really where peace can be found. And then when you live in that, you extend that out. And so we've, we have it wrong. We've been living outside, trying to get things to change outside of us. But the real work, the beautiful joy of being alive starts on the inside. Mm, I love that. That sense of the world, the world, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's hard because it's like, I think all of us, I, today I was dropping my car off to get fixed and I was sitting in the waiting room and there was, the news was on. Yeah. And I was sitting there, I think there was like one other guy in the room and I was like, why does anyone watch this shit? Like I was dying. I was like, can I turn down the volume? But there was no remote. And it was one of those TVs that doesn't have it's buttons like, anymore. Yeah. The world's yeah. whirling. <laughs> they got the, 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 so that I had no choice, but to consume. So I like had to leave the waiting room because it's not stuff I would normally, you know, the, just the language was all just fear, 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 fear. And I, I think that's a, a really interesting aspect to think of letting the world world as we sort of step into the things we can influence and. um, And what, you know, even in that, you kind of planted a seed. You were like talking to someone else, a total stranger, like, why are we watching this? Like, this doesn't really serve us. It's little moments like that where we're, you know, you were in a place where you're probably getting your car fixed. That's probably frustrating, but we reclaim our power by stopping fear in its tracks. And one of the ways to do that is to actually, you know, plant the seeds. I, I call it actually in the book, I talk about turn your resistance into assistance And this is one of the reasons I had so much anxiety because I was looking out into the world thinking it was going to change. But you know, what's interesting. I started to go back as I was preparing for this book tour. Mm -hmm. I've been writing books for about a decade now. And every book launch, I would look at my notes. I looked at my notes from every book launch, which is five books now. And it always started with, we are living in such a turbulent time. Like, <laughs> and I'm looking at like 2012, 2014, like every couple of years, there was some massive catastrophic event happening out in the world. And I know we've been living through like nonstop catastrophic for like two years straight now, but it really hit home for me that the world, that this is planet earth. We live in this, what I call a school and we get to choose how we want to navigate the school, these lessons available to us. And ultimately, we don't have to operate from a fear-based process anymore. That's an operating system that is no longer serving us. So it's about shifting into joy, into love, into peace. And even being able to do that, given everything that's going on, like what it, what when you said turning your resistance into assistance, how would someone know what resistance is and then what would be sort of, what would that look like? I think resistance shows up for a lot of us as looking at our life. All we have to do is think about our life right now and what's causing us the most stress, the most frustration, the most pain or fear or worry. And resistance comes up in that space. And from there, we start to realize that we're resisting what is, whether it's a breakup that you feel is inevitable, whether it's a job you really don't want to move or you do want to move, we're resisting. And we stay in this static state. Most of the time, it's because fear, fear of the unknown, fear of rejection. But what we can do. And this worked radically awesome for me is turn that into assistance. So for me, this looked like, uh, for example, I live in just outside Portland, Oregon. While I was writing the book, there was wildfires in Oregon, which is not normal for the Mm -hmm. Pacific Northwest. You may have remembered, but the sky was blood orange and people were walking around with like mega gas masks on. We had the worst air quality of the whole entire planet um, for a couple of days And it was terrifying, but I realized I was resisting what was. I couldn't change the wildfires. I couldn't go out, you know, 
I could stay in a state of panic because I had never been in this situation, or I immediately caught myself and I said, I can assist. What can I do? And so I went around my house. I started gathering stuff up. I created, I have some family friends that lost their home. We created care packages for them of toiletries. I started to donate to charities that felt aligned. You get into an activation mode and not all of us are designed to be activists, but all of us have something we care about all of us. And so Tapping into that could be maybe just giving food to your neighbor or helping a pet in need, adopting. You go to your heart and say, where where do I feel called to help? Where do I feel called to be of service? And that will get you into life more and you realize you can be an active participant instead of in fear. Yeah, so many of us don't mobilize. You know, I think a lot of our fear makes us so we don't actually do something. We don't actually, and so we're staying in this like, frozen state Mm -hmm. where we get to blame what's going on, which don't get me wrong. There are obviously circumstances that can, that can create that. However, when we're watching the news or like preparing for a future that has not existed, that it makes us not mobilize. And then we are then I I, I'm saying this so much from my own personal experience. That's exactly it though. Right. Mm -hmm. Of like seeing what's going on and then blaming, even though that future hasn't actually created, I I know, I think of that, of like not self-expressing because I'm afraid of the backlash of the self-expression, but the backlash never having occurred. I'm like playing with an imaginary, you know, Mm -hmm. space, or even that in some way, you know, I think so many people self-censor these days because they're afraid of being exiled and canceled by the people they love most. And I think the irony of that, which is a sad irony, is that we then end up exiled within our own selves. Yes. And that is the, I, I feel the greatest crime against humanity happening. There are crimes against humanity out in the world always, but what's really happening, and this is why return to you is a process we go through to return to who we really are, because we are here to really understand ourselves, to love and give love, receive love. And the love is within us. So when you say that, that's so important because to me, you can just think about, and you've probably seen this too. I love, you know, how you're using your platform. For example, you speak, and I can tell when you speak, you're you're sharing from your heart. It's not from a fear kind of motivation as much as this is what I need to share. Cause it's part of what's really, I care about. And so when we do that, I, I'm sure you've, yes, there are people who come out that are trolls, but you've probably seen more people of like mind and heart come at you and support. Like, at least that's, what's been happening for me. I started to yeah. just, I have to talk about the things that are important for me on the channels in my newsletter and my books and the depth of the connection that I have now with, with the audience and even people who brought me to you, that's where the real beauty of life is. And so it is about returning to us from a place of understanding what you hold in your heart and your mind is important. And sharing that with the world is even more important. So right before I sat down to get some work done this afternoon, I experienced that classic afternoon crash. You know, my energy was dropping and I could feel that my brain was sort of like, "Eh, are we going to do this? And I don't drink caffeine very often anymore. I don't want to be dependent on it. I might have a coffee once a week. And the reason is I don't want to have to be like, oh, I need a coffee to get through this afternoon. I felt like that was just another form of addiction. And I like my body and my mind to be free from the necessity of things in order to show up and perform. And so one thing that I've done in order to replace coffee and still get energy and also nutrition 
addition is I've been taking Organifi Red Juice. It's got 13 superfoods. It's fully organic. It's got no caffeine, just two grams of sugar that come from freeze-dried berries. And so not only does it provide me with energy, but it's actually super delicious and super easy to make. You just... In 30 seconds, you just open it up, mix it with some water, and drink it down. And as I said, it tastes so great. So if you want to save 20% off Red Juice, this sounds like it'd be a good fit for you if you're trying to kick coffee or whatever, check it out. Go to Organifi.com slash create the love. And that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash create the love. Go check it out. You save 20% on all the good stuff. Amen. I heard Richard Rohr speaking the other day and he said, um, it was on Krista Tippett's podcast on being. No, yeah. And yeah, it's such a, oh yeah. Yeah. It was, was it on there? Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, and on it, he said, the journey to the true God is the same as the journey to the true self. Mm, and I thought, isn't I that so love true? That. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's so true that this returning to yourself in some way, um, you feel that sense of connection and unity, it's yeah. Can you speak more to uh, that journey? Like in the book, what do you cover and, and how do we uh, begin to access that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I start the book with a quote from Stephen Richards and it's our level of love or our level of fear determines the state of our reality. And I think that's a kind of a starting point because we are mostly operating from a place of fear and what, what the book does takes you through lesson by lesson a process to really undo the fear, whether it's limiting beliefs about you not being good enough or existing in a world, or we have to ask ourselves, do we feel we live in a a safe world? Most of us don't. So we're always kind of on fight or flight mode, looking to the, around the corner. What this allows us to do is step into a place of peace. And so interesting enough, when I was having my anxiety attacks, you know, back in 2019, It was interesting because as I was having them and this fear was like, this is all going to go away. Well, flash forward to March, 2020, uh, (laughs) right? Literally I had just signed the contract. I was getting ready to do a worldwide speaking tour and I was every month going to be in a new country. It was wonderful. Everything went away within 48 hours. All the contracts just said, sorry, canceled, postponed, you know? And I first thought was, oh my gosh, everything is going away. My ego was right. And so we have to ask ourselves too, what's interesting is when our fear is activated and we're in that worry, it's the protection part of us that's trying to predict what could happen. So when it does happen, it knows you're okay. It's just a defense. And so while I was in that, I could have gone into deep despair and said, oh my God, this is my career. But instead I caught myself within like 30 seconds. And I said, absolutely not. For the past four or five months, I have been living the principles for inner peace. So I looked out and saw neighbors and clients and, and family falling into fear and chaos and like a lot of blame. And I chose not to go there. And one of the ways we can do that is by really recognizing that we live in a school called planet earth, which is what, you know, summer bacon talks about and Dr. Peebles, but there is contrast. This is the school of contrast. And maybe you've heard that before because everything, and even in the Buddhism and the Tao tradition, a lot of Eastern philosophy, they talk about to know something, you must know the opposite. And so I realized I was going through anxiety because what is the opposite peace to truly know peace 
And I have stepped into an unshakable inner peace. Of course, I still have moments of fear and worry, but not like before that it's like a moment. And once you know the process to live in a state of sovereignty, you're connected to your true self. And from that place, everything else it's almost like you see it like a movie screen and Mm. you're no longer emotionally attached to it because it's when we emotionally attach that it takes us down and we fall into that, that fear depth. So it's a process step-by-step, but once we realize whatever we're going through right now, what is the opposite that will pull us forward into more clarity and more peace. Yeah. I had a a lot of anxiety in September. I mean, for a while in 20, what are we in 2022 now? Yeah, it's all together. Know. Time yeah, is an illusion. Fucking year. <laughs> yeah. um, time is an illusion. Yes, it does feel that way. <laughs> that I think too. the last three years really feel that way. Uh, it's like repeat, repeat. You see that meme? Groundhog Day all the time. <laughs> right. Did you see that meme that said uh, 2022, like as in 2020 <laughs> again? Yes. Um, I, I experienced it. I, I wish I had had that lens, you know, to think of it as teaching me contrast. Ultimately, it was inviting me towards peace, which I knew that like I had to listen to what the anxiety was teaching me. It was in 2021, the majority of it. And how does one differentiate self from uh, like what causes the turmoil? Because when we're returning to the self, it means that the self we are is maybe misrepresentative or adopting other beliefs, frameworks, fears. Um, Like we're not really and when you say sovereign i'd love to know what you mean by that word too so i'll just start with those two questions because i yeah. keep going such good questions i think uh you know of course in miracles talks and they say in that text when you are in fear it is a sure sign you are not acting um you are not acting in your godlike self if you will mm. when we choose fear we are ultimately it's all in it's the illusion outside of ourselves. The true self is the one when I say sovereign, it means connected to source energy, to God, to higher self, to, you know, universal love. There's a lot of names for it. And what it really recognizes is that we live in a world that is designed to pull you away from that love, that truth, if you will. But we are here to learn how to return back to that. Every lesson, every step, every chaos we see out in the world, every relationship, you know, our relationships are divine assignments as, as we often hear. And in the book, I talk about how they are really laboratories for us to learn more about ourselves and learn more about each other. We come together to understand a deeper part of ourselves and move forward. And so from that space, we can still be sovereign in our own love, if you are our own source connection and let others be where they are. And we don't have to hook into it or become it. That's we hard. Can, yeah, it is. That's it's rare. definitely, that's the, that's the work, right? <laughs> but I often, I learned this in my own journey and there's a whole lesson in the book where I talk about everyone is on their own journey. So I tend to see life through metaphors and I was in Bali before all this. I used to travel a lot. I was a world traveler, still will be at some point, but I was doing ecstatic dance. Have you ever done that? It's uh, so fun (laughs) if you like dancing. And while I was in this euphoria high of dancing, I looked around and I saw something that was just so beautiful. I saw people doing their joy in the moment, so connected to the moment. There was no fear present because what you do is you just listen to music and let your body go. Some people were doing ballet, others yoga poses, some coming together, some break dancing. 
And I noticed in that moment, I said, this is a metaphor for life. This is really what happens. Everybody is on their own journey, yet we're all collectively playing in the same sandbox, if you will. And so we all affect each other. You know, if you start dancing and flaring your arms, you're going to hit someone. But at the same time, it's this experience that when we go through life, we are on our own journey based on what our soul needs to learn or based on what the contracts we basically decide that this is important to me. So at some point, I believe my soul said the most important thing for you is to learn what inner peace truly is. And and now I'm teaching and sharing it. But in that space, I had to know what the opposite was. The beauty of, of the contrast. And I think of that ecstatic dance. There's a, I was at Wanderlust Festival. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, when I think like three years ago and they had the headphone, like silent disco. Nice. And as someone who's maybe more self-conscious about my own dancing historically, it was this really cool moment to be in flow, like to be, cause I was, everyone's listening to different channel. There were three different channels and you could tell by the color on Oh, but it was so cool. cool to hear people when you lift your headphone, they'd like sing a chorus together, depending on what song they were singing. Yeah. It was really neat. And it really pulled me out of my own head and allowed me like what you're saying, we're all in different places. We're all, when we get self-conscious about not just how we dance, but how we speak, how we do anything, we're allowing the opinion or potential opinion, thoughts, reaction of another to guide or dictate our behavior And while that can have obviously good benefits, if our behaviors are harmful, it can cause us to not just, just be in our truth. And that fear, you know, I think of what you're saying, like stepping into sovereign self and unhooking is really to step out of codependency. Right. And, and so can you speak more to that? Because I think that is often the thing we struggle with most. I I think given the world's circumstances, there's one side of the narrative, and I hate to say side, but I really feel like there's a main narrative that is supported by mainstream media. And then there's everybody else who's trying, I don't want, it sounds righteous, but like there's a conversation that needs to be had, but that conversation is often canceled. And so we self-censor, we do all these things. And this could be about any topic though, especially topics where cancel culture has said, you can't actually explore the nuance of that. It's very binary. You're either this or you're that. You're either, you know, we were talking about politically, there's either, uh, before we hit record, you know, there there's either left wing or right wing. And, you know, there's a saying that uh, they both belong to the same bird. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that sovereign, unhooking from even those structures allows us to be in sovereign expression. So yeah, I, I think there's something really juicy here that I think we all can learn. So right before I sat down to get some work done this afternoon, I experienced that classic afternoon crash. You know, my energy was dropping and I could feel that my brain was sort of like, eh, are we going to do this? And I don't drink caffeine very often anymore. I don't want to be dependent on it. I might have a coffee once a week. And the reason is I don't want to have to be like, oh, I need a coffee to get through this afternoon. I felt like that was just another form of addiction. And I like my body and my mind to be free from the necessity of things in order to show up and perform. And so one thing that I've done in order to replace coffee and still get energy and also nutrition is I've been taking Organifi Red Juice. It's got 13 superfoods. It's fully organic. It's got no caffeine, just two grams of sugar that come from freeze-dried berries. And so not only does it provide me with energy, but it's actually super delicious and super easy to make. You just 
in 30 seconds. You just open it up, mix it with some water and drink it down. And as I said, it tastes so great. So if you want to save 20% off Red Juice, this sounds like it'd be a good fit for you if you're trying to kick coffee or whatever. Check it out. Go to Organifi.com slash create the love. And that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash create the love. Go check it out. You save 20% on all the good stuff. Yeah. In fact, all of what you said is really the process. I think it is all out there. And when we return back to our own sovereignty, if you will, or the own process that we are in, we realize that our souls are here to grow and learn. And we work with others to do that. But from this place of what you're talking about, I think you may have seen it within your own space. I'm seeing it within what my journey is as well. There's an awakening that's happening both for us all individually, but collectively, you know, we are entering into really, they call it the age of Aquarius or age of intuition is what I like to call it. And so our intuition is actually speaking to us louder, probably more so than it ever has. And if you could just kind of lean into that, what is my gut saying? Well, it's saying maybe something's not right over here or no, we're not separate. And so we are awakening to the the true human consciousness that is available to us. And so from this place, we're starting to see lies and manipulation. We're starting to see the world in a way that looks different. It's a different lens. This is a good thing. And I think for a lot of times we stick in a place thinking it's a bad thing. The number one thing in fear for people is actually, I am worried about what other people will think of me. And as soon as you no longer have that fear, I think even, you know, David Icke talks about this. <laughs> as soon as you don't have that fear anymore, you are free. Mm-hmm. And I started to operate from that place in my own business. And it has led to the most expansive business, not only the best partnerships, the best, um, you know, everything, because now it's no longer, I need you. And as you talk about codependency, I need you to validate me. I need you to see me. I need you to operate. Uh, it's a shift. Tony Robbins even talks about this too. It's the uh, kind of shift in the way you see the world. Just ask yourself, what has been most important for me to feel in my life? You know, what's been most important for me? And many of us say to feel seen, to feel safe, to feel validated. We don't even realize it's just natural to feel heard. Mm -hmm. We're operating from that place. That's a need. I need the world to give me something. What if we shift over here and say, the most important thing for me to feel is love, is expansiveness, is to feel joy, is to feel peace. Your whole world starts to change because you are now your set point for how you see the world is going to bring that to you. So really all of us are kind of, it's like we've been babies and we're cracking open into more of a full awareness of our possibilities (laughs) as humans. (laughs) It's such a good analogy because when you think that's really adulting too, right? Like that's the maturation process because so many of our struggles relationally are really, um, I need you to validate in order for me to feel loved, I need you to choose me. In order yeah. for me to feel accepted, I need you to agree with what I'm saying. You know, I remember thinking about this previously, just like your partner or someone agreeing with what you're saying is not actually the sign of conflict managed well. It's mm-hmm. that both of you feel like you're allowed to have a thought, a feeling, an experience. Both can coexist and there's not a judgment associated with either. But it's so fascinating how humans... I think it's just magnified recently, but humans love to place values on positions so that they can moralize them 
so that they themselves can protect their own sort of perspective morally, which is fascinating, right? Because I think like there's obviously a lot of good that comes from operating from similar values and morals. But what's really interesting is I find people are just orienting differently around similar values and morals. And this invitation to sovereignty, I'm still navigating it because I really feel like, and maybe that's always true um, because new beliefs and thoughts and feelings are coming up and then are they bumping up against the cultural beliefs, thoughts, and feelings? And I mean, isn't that the ultimate form of courage and rebellion is to be oneself at the cost of belonging? Uh, and, and I've really thought about this shift that occurs, which is when, when you step out of fearing belonging to a group and you risk it, you experience for the first time belonging to self. And, and then what happens, at least in my experience, is the world starts to adjust around your sovereign self rather than you adjusting around the world's needs of you. Like, it's a really weird, there's a space though, that's in between where the immediate family, the immediate friends, there might be challenges, conflicts, whatever, friction, let's just call it, as Mm -hmm. the world reorients to this new version of us. And I think that's true when we develop boundaries, when we develop a voice, all of a sudden we're in a new state, a new vibration, some people might call it, but just from a scientific perspective, a new pattern. Yeah. a choice we've never made. Now we're in a different place and what happens in a different place, a different life. Yeah, that's exactly it. And there is this space in between. And that's what we fear the most because a lot of the times we feel that's going to be our forever state mm. in the, in the book and return to you. I actually talk about the seasons of our soul. And this is actually where you leave that state. And there's a place in between where you are now in a new season and this season may feel uncomfortable. You're navigating the transition, but what really is on the other side of that is just like the seasons of nature, you know, winter is dormant. The leaves fall. Oh, you know, hibernation spring comes though. And then summer full expansion, full joy. You know, Mm. you brought up something so important too. There's this, this idea that, uh, who we were, we're always growing. And like you said, I may not have it figured out. And I truly believe that we, we tend to think there's a there to get to, and that's Mm. what holds us back. Really. When we start to appreciate the joys and the journey and the expansion. And as long as we commit to, you know, I often say growth, but if, you know, there's this fun kind of idea that I do with coaching clients and you probably talk to clients with as well, but if you had a magic genie in front of you, what is that thing you've been working towards your whole life? You know, most of us have this life lens problem. Maybe it's to find my soulmate. Maybe it's to lose weight. Maybe it's to get out of debt, these things that are tangible, but what if your true gift or genie wish is to learn all my lessons through love, to be so connected to my true self that everything else falls in place. What kind of life would you live then? All of a sudden you would be out of debt. You would find your soulmate, the weight would come off or you'd gain the weight, whatever the goal is, because we've been focusing on these little tangible things, but really it's up here. And so when you grow, you allow yourself to get up here. And a lot of people are still existing here. I know when I was in advertising, I used to be in a corporate. When I first left, it was there there were people who actually started an I hate Shannon club. Like, are we like in high school? Like (laughs) it was like, what is she doing? Who does she think she is? Like, why is she going off to try to start her own job and career and be a writer? Like there was so much animosity. And it's because 
is, and this is what we see happening right now in the world too. Once you decide to say, no, I deserve better. I demand better. This is available to all of us, by the way. But once you see that light available within you and you start to activate it, it can be scary because it shows back to other people what they have not been able to admit within themselves, but it's there. And so it's just a reflection. And so we're all just kind of supporting each other in a way, but you've probably seen this too. When you take a step forward, sometimes we do lose people, but it's actually a beautiful blessing because sometimes we come together in part, but where you're going is so much more rewarding. The people you surround yourself with are more like mind, more like heart. You met your fiance, you know, in this process, like it's things like that, where as long as you keep honoring that, it brings you exactly where you need to be at all times. Yeah. It's amazing in the journey, even of the last couple of years, you know, I've just met so many incredible humans who I would have never met had the world not oriented differently and had all the, you know, where you start to see, Oh, am I, how do I, I need people in my life who hold me accountable to critical thinking and call me out, call me forward, I think is a better way. Mm -hmm. You speak to, um, this idea, I guess, of us having destinations or goals or whatever it might be. And, and not to say that we can't uh, guide our lives towards a desired experience or a desired feeling, uh, just even in thinking of how important language is, you know, I, I appreciate what you were saying because it makes me think of accountability to saying like, well, I don't seem to have it figured out yet. And as if there is this place I'm supposed to get to that's frictionless, that's, that is, um, that the learning is done. Mm-hmm. So this idea that even I'm going to get to a place where self-worth is completed or like the mm-hmm. journey is completed, it's that it's in itself, right? And it creates suffering because I'm thinking like yes. there's in my mind, there's this other version of me who's not suffering because he's got, he's, he's got the inner monk chilling on a mountain. Totally. You know? Yeah. And quite honestly, as you say that we think we want those things, but really part of being human is having the, I don't want to say drama of life, but the the kind of growth that happens in between yeah. the struggle, all the contrast. struggles in my life and the contrast has been the most pivotal stepping point to awaken to the next level, whether yes. it's finding ultimate self-love, finding inner peace. And so we start to just reframe how we're looking at our life and realizing that It's not about any there. These are beautiful things to work towards. Yeah, we want more self-worth. We want more, you know, self-love. But truly, I think it's uh, Stephen Convoy. There's somebody, I forget who said it, but they said, once you stop growing, you are dead. Like we keep thinking that there's this part we're going to get to, but that's not what earth is about. The human experience is constantly unfolding, unraveling, peeling the onion. And so let's just enjoy the layers of learning. And then that operates us into what real peace and joy can be. Oof, to, to get to that place of just allowing. Yeah, that's it. Allowing and uh, surrender, surrender to what is, you know, I was just walking my dog this morning and I had this moment too. I was looking forward to talking to you today, but it was also this moment of like seeing the sunshine and just being so fully present in the moment and, and realizing there is stuff going on all over and there are things to do, but when we can tap into the joy in each moment, moment by moment, 
that's really what it's about. It's not having a full day of Zen sitting on a mountain <laughs> zoned out. You know, that's what the retreats can be for. <laughs> but really what, what it is, is how do we bring this into our daily life? How do we be mindful in the conversations with someone who holds a totally opposite view? And what it really comes back down to is respect, loving allowance for all people to be where they are, you know, um, starting with with ourselves, where we are. And that's another Dr. Peebles quote. So I think it's so important to really just think about where we are in our journey and have compassion and just respect for others and commit to expansion and growth. What does committing look like? Because that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think so many of us have this desire that you're, you know, I think we want the feeling you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would imagine there's, a lot we would have to, or significant feelings, ways of being that we'd have to let go of, um, you know, cause even struggling or hating or being in constant conflict over an opinion and identity, a thought in some way serves us, I would imagine, you know, at least creates a certain world, creates significance. Yeah. So yeah. And to that place that it, it gives us what we need, you know, um, if you think about holding on to beliefs, is often a place that makes us feel safe. And we are living in a world that is chaotic and it's getting more chaotic. So a lot of us are holding on, you know, it comes back to cognitive dissonance and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with holding a different belief, but I talk about this in the book too. Uh, Kim, uh, the Campbell from the movie thrive. She talks about, this is a great documentary by the way. Uh, but she talks about, you know, her mom was alive for many, many years and went through lots of contrast. And she had asked her mom, you know, how, what piece of advice, do you have? And, and she said, honestly, there's a lot of contention in the world. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of people my way or the highway. And she said, you have to just be open-minded. So when I say commit, what I mean is just be open-minded and open-hearted, just commit to how can I just step aside for a moment and allow what is being revealed to me to be what it is instead of attaching to it. And so Kim's mom was saying, try on an idea like you would try on an outfit at a store or retail store. Mm. You don't have to like it. You don't even have to keep it, but you just try it on. And so that was actually one of the very first things I did, you know, when I was seeing so much extreme contrast and left versus right up versus down, you're wrong. I'm right. And especially just the explosion of anger coming from people, I would put myself in their shoes and then I would go deep and say, does this feel right for me? In the most of the time when people are showing you, these beliefs, it's because they want so much to be seen, acknowledged, validated. And they're really just showing you more of who they are. It, it, it really has nothing to do with us. And so it helps us get more clear about what our beliefs are. So I would say committing is if that word feels too heavy and lofty, well, all we have to do is say, how can I be more in my heart today instead of my head? It's so easy to not be accountable to self though. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I think about the word commitment, Mm-hmm. In the context of what you're saying, committing to the best self can committing to our highest potential, committing to an open heart. My sense is that we don't do that because fear. what, yeah. Like what would happen if, yeah. if I met my, you know, relative who might be a Trump lover or a Biden lover, like whatever, I'm not American, but I know those are the terms <laughs> yeah, used a know. lot. Um, <laughs> What if I was to just meet them with an open heart? I, I've really thought about this. Like if you lost a family member because of a political belief or something to do with the vaccine, like go get them back. Like to yes. me, it's such a, 
it's exactly what they want. And I don't even know who they is, but fucking who knows, but it's like energy of fear. (laughs) Right. Right. Like why would we want to be so divided in this space just for a belief, a thought, you know, obviously I'm not speaking to like, you know, ultimate racism or hate speech or anything like that, but just like a simple, you know, I know when someone finds out that someone votes for a different party, they're all of a sudden like, you know, like within my family, I remember someone, this is years ago. Uh, someone voting liberal and then the other person being like, I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. And then everyone being like, well, you must have voted conservative. So let's talk about that. I'm like, why does it just don't make it a fucking subject at dinner, you know? (laughs) Right. We do live in a world that has kind of almost uh, conditioned us, indoctrined us, trained us to kind of be in this separate. That again is, is an illusion. It is a fear that is kind of, if you were to picture it like a, just a net of fear coming over people and we're learning how to disengage with that. So I love that you say, you know, go get that person back because one of the things that we have really that I feel is a big kind of issue is we've lost our humanity through Mm -hmm. all this. We're, we're attacking people, strangers on the internet, and we're letting our beliefs be bigger. You know, there's a time during uh, the election in America, the last election, which was so contentious. We went through the same thing. I had a family text chain that was voting for one and I had some friends that were voting another. And I, I practiced this radical compassion, be in the middle. And I didn't tell anyone who I voted for either because of that, even to this day, no one knows, but here's why. I noticed that they were all attacking the other candidates and I was getting into it. And I remember my brother stepped aside and he said, you know, no matter what, no matter what belief you have, my love for you is greater always. Hmm. And I, that was a mantra I stuck with me and I have a bit applied that to, to almost every relationship in my life since then, no matter what belief you have, I respect you for where you are. My love for you is greater. If we can just kind of tap into that. I mean, that's, that's unconditional love. That's yeah. that creates psychological safety to yes. explore beliefs and possibly being wrong. Yes, and that's what all of us can step into on a collective to move us forward. Yeah, I have a friend who wanted to give me some feedback about how they had experienced something, you know, a position that I'd held. And they were like, I'm really afraid to talk to you about this. And I said, well, can you let me know if there's anything I've done that's made you afraid? You know, because I, I certainly want to know. And, and they said, no, however, I'm just afraid because this is such, you know, these conversations are hard. And I, and I said, which I learned from Terry Real, uh, the therapist, uh, he talks about fierce love. And I said to, to them, um, well, just so you know, I love you no matter what, like you can bring anything to me. And our love is not on the line. Like, I will love you even if you give me feedback that I don't like. The point isn't for me to like the feedback. It's for me to receive it and decide if it's mine or not. If I can discern, is this valid for me and can we discuss it? And their experience of that was such, they reflected back to me, like such a sense of peace because um, it allowed us together to create a shared nervous system experience and because I've had a lot of more practice in people disagreeing with me and, you know, me getting ignited from it and them getting ignited Mm -hmm. that I've really been doing a lot of work on broadening my nervous system capacity. And so it was really a a beautiful experience. And so I really appreciate you bringing that forward. Like what a beautiful thing for your brother. And Mm -hmm. of course you to share 
and create for the family. Yes. You know, and, like, yeah. And I think you, you said it too, with your experience, it's about safety. We're again, the theme, we live in a world where we don't necessarily feel safe. So giving that to those in our space, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's in your partner, a family member, it doesn't matter if they have a different belief, you know, it really doesn't. Isn't that normal? Like, yes. That's, that's actually kind of a beautiful thing. If we right. all had the same belief, we'd My be, God, going be like, so boring. <laughs> be the most boring thing ever. And we, that's not why we're here. That's not what we truly want. So really it becomes about respect. And I think we're moving into that because yeah. we we're going to implode. We can't keep operating at this level. And so we're starting to see, well, this isn't working. Let's start to talk, come together and, and come to a place of just listening and respecting another person for where they are. It's really the key. And I think there's a lot of layers to this, but ultimately we all have this within ourselves and we all do want to feel better. I truly believe that we don't want to be hanging out in fear. We don't want to be no. feeling anxious and we don't want to be judging our partners or others. It really is about returning to us, which is the peace and love within and so, you know, I, I shared that um, we, you know, you start through this place of being in fear, you move into a place of awareness that love is available at any moment when we, when we choose uh, really with intention. So if you're feeling stuck, if you're listening or watching and you're feeling really stuck in life, like, well, yeah, this is all well and good, peace, blah, blah. Just wake up in the morning and, and give yourself an idea. I don't have to go in fear. I'm going to choose peace today. Or you can just say, I, what intention do I, do I want for today? You know, maybe joy comes to you. Maybe it's, you know, power and you just start to live your day with more mindfulness. And that is one way to move forward as well. So to do these in small, mindful, incremental steps, yeah. how do we handle if we, um, deviate back or, mm. cause of course, I mean, I think about it, I'm like, I'm not going to have, I'm going to go in peace. And then someone cuts you off and you're like, fuck you. <laughs> and you're like, I'm, I'm going to go in peace. So, you just again. Okay. Just yeah. try it again. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that because that is the world we live in. So ultimately I think what's really important to recognize, and I hear this so much in the space of personal growth and spiritual growth is I should have known that I've, I've been doing the tips or I hired the life coach. I've been listening to the podcast. I should know better. It's this shooting that we do, this shame we put on ourselves, this, this guilt that we're layering over all of our things and actions and habits. If we can remove the shame and guilt by just knowing that this is part of being human, again, it returns back to there's no there to get to where you are is exactly where you need to be. And you just return moment by moment. Returning to you is a moment by moment process. It's a way, a lifestyle. I even say in the book, this is a call to action to just activate more peace because when you start to choose peace moment by moment, okay, so you get mad at the guy cutting you off. Well, maybe the next guy that cuts you off, you don't, you just open the door for someone at the place you go to or buy the coffee for someone. You mm. start to just you put live your life. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's it's, it's a lifestyle, if you will. And so you're shifting into a place mm. of, I like I'm that. going to just choose to be love in action. To be able to do that, to return. It, it sounds to me like after you return to you and moment by moment, eventually you stay within the space, a lot easier. right? Yeah. You are you. And then that's it. it's actually not returning to it. It's just, uh, be. Yeah, B. Ooh, I like this. I talk about this too because I, I even say in the book, you know, 
we're living in fear so often, but who you really are is who you are. It actually right. takes a lot more energy to live in fear and to live in this place of constantly just being on the lookout. Once you do activate your true self, which is just who you are in this space. I don't care what people think of me. I know who I am. I know what my beliefs are and they work for me until I decide another one that I grow into. This is how you move around in the world. And from this place, it is so much easier. It's so much easier because that fear is just kind of like not taking up so much of your mental mind. So then it becomes, what am I really going to do with my life? A lot of the times we live in fear and worry because it's who am I going to be without that? I don't know who that person would be, but your real self is someone who can live in peace and joy. But the moment by moment is really where it comes in. And it's a, a fun process. You can start playing a game. You know, how can I bring, do it with your family, do it with your loved ones, do it with your dog, <laughs> little love moments throughout the day. <laughs> love it. Well, hopefully for you listening or watching, this reminds you to step into some love moments. And instead of it being a vacation you take from the present moment, it actually becomes the way of being as Shannon has invited us. So Shannon, I'm curious for people listening, where can they find more of you? Where can they find your books and your book that returned to you that's coming out? Yes. So return to you is available where bookstores are online retailers. And my website is playwiththeworld.com. And I'm on social media at Shannon Kaiser writes W R I T E S my author pages and love to connect with you on any of those places. Perfect. So we'll make sure we link those out in the show notes and so much gratitude for you and, and putting this practice that you and this journey you've been on into a guide and into words so that um, those of us are, who are on a similar path, which I think is all of us, <laughs> we're yeah, like, right. how do we do this? How do we do this? So thanks for, for sharing. Thank you for having me here. It's great to see you and connect as well. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.